sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, starting out the year fresh here, the year 2020, Aaron Porter, we're actually wow. in it. That's crazy. <laughs> and uh, you Y2K know, just happened. <laughs> I know. That's how it feels to me. However, when I look at the screen and when I, I, when I look at your face and mine, we, by the way, are conducting this recording session using Zoom. Yeah, this entire podcast will have lesser audio quality, so feel free to not tell us that later. We, we already know. It's, it's we, fine. <laughs> we weren't able to get together in the studio for this one, so we're doing the best we can to at least get an episode out. Um, so anyway, I can see on screen, buddy, and I don't know, is it my imagination, or are there more white hairs in that beard? And what the hell's going on with the mustache? <laughs> no, there's not more white hairs. That's just as many as last time when it was a full beard. But yes, yeah. I... Uh... I had been not shaving because I hadn't decided what I wanted. And mm -hmm. then I decided what I wanted was to look, uh, well, I want to say look like a criminal, but then anyone else that has this mustache, you might be. <laughs> but it's my, it's my mean persona mustache. All right. I, I remember one of the first times I did this giant handlebar motorcycle mustache, uh, I was dropping one of the kids had like baseball practice and I hadn't eaten anything, dropped him off, went to this liquor store that had delicious chimichangas and all the people that worked there, super tatted up, biker, tough, mean people. Yeah, I, got, yeah, yeah. I got to the counter and ordered my chimichangas and they were super friendly to me. And that had never <laughs> happened at this place. <laughs> and I, I just enjoyed it. I was friendly back and I got in the car, looked in the mirror and went, Oh, they think <laughs> I'm one of them, and maybe I am. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm in, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, you look like uh, right now. You know, you you, you want to have a nickname like like Ooh, know, Snake or Son of Thunder. You know that John John the Apostle, the disciple, he had this mustache. You think so? You, you don't, probably did. You don't call down thunder on Samaritans without this mustache. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Didn't even pull out a switchblade. He, yeah. he, he Nicky cruised it up three notches. That's just okay. for people your age. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> the crossing the switchblade crowd. Yeah. So well, you, you're heading out of town again. I am once again. Uh, we just, Tom Mocha and I just spent three very enjoyable days uh, in Michigan, visiting the good folks at Covenant Eyes. Was just so impressed with the company culture up there. The great folks met some terrific people. Uh, thrilled to see that our mission is so closely aligned with theirs. Got to, uh, you know, sense their heartbeat. Oh, such a such a good visit. And now, Allie and I will take off on Monday. We'll spend a week out in Colorado going to visit our friend Matt Ward out there and see some other folks. So, yeah, looking forward to the trip. I think, uh, you, I think you need to get an apartment in Colorado. You're out in Colorado an awful lot. <laughs> yeah, although if I had uh, arranged the schedule a little bit better, rather than going to Michigan and Colorado in December and January, these are the months when I should be going to Florida that's, or that's, Southern California. That's a good point. Yeah, it's true. Well, maybe while you're there with Matt, we should uh, have him just sit down with you and Zoom a podcast. It's been a while since we've had Matt Ward on the show. All right. I'll check with him. We might very well be able to make that happen. I need some Matt Ward silliness in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we've got a great interview coming up. But before we get there, I thought we might dip into the mailbag, Aaron. Let's dip. Uh, yeah. Uh, because we got a letter in here that, that uh, goes along in some ways with the theme of the interview. This one comes from our good friend, Don Williamson. Uh, who says, hi, Nate and Aaron. I don't really know if you've ever addressed this on your podcast before, but I was wondering if you guys might add some wisdom to something that seems to happen a lot with us guys who go into recovery. It's the idea that 
our wives actually can be jealous of the time we spend with our Samson brothers when we get serious about our recovery. I remember early on in my recovery, my wife actually said that it was like I'd traded one addiction for another. Uh, to be fair, I was very gung-ho in the beginning of my recovery and was trying to get it right. So I would make as many meetings as possible, and I would often tell her that I had a meeting, and I didn't want anything to get in the way of that. On top of that, there were all of these. Uh, these were all virtual meetings, so she felt like I would be more vulnerable with my Brady brunch, uh, Brady bunch friends. <laughs> the Brady bunch friends. All right, in, love in it. reference to way all uh, to the way all the guys look when they're in a Zoom room together on a screen, uh, than when I was with her. And if I were honest with myself, early on in my recovery, the pink cloud really was an addiction. I loved how I could talk so openly and honestly with my brothers, and I felt so alive. I'm now three years into recovery and two years into being a member of the Samson Society. And in getting to a place of balance, I've had to make some changes in my life. In particular, I try to commit to the meetings that I host, two of them, when my family's home. I try to be more, uh, when my family's home, I try to be more present with them. And I've learned that my Silees will be okay even if I don't respond immediately after they do their check ins. As part of my own safe plan, I do, however, commit to making a meeting every day when I'm either traveling or my wife is gone. That being said, I've never really been able to understand why our wives have had such a tough time with our involvement with Samson. Our brother recently shared with me how his wife has told him the same thing my wife told me, that she's jealous of all the time we spend in Samson. There's a part of me that wants to remind her that if it wasn't for Samson, I'd probably be looking at porn or wasting my life dissociating from the world around me. Like many of my brothers, there are times when I feel like I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. I know that a few years ago, your pastor who was at the Samson retreat asked a similar question about how we help our wives understand and still feel appreciated. Recovery, I believe, is first and foremost for me, but it's my hope that my wife will see the benefits of being in Samson with brothers who reassure me that I'm not alone in my fight and that they're not there to replace intimacy with my wife, but rather there to walk beside me in this journey and to help me to live as a restored son of the sovereign Lord. And by doing that, becoming a better husband, better father, better friend. Uh, thanks for all you guys do for us. I'm so honored to walk this road with you. As one fellow Samson brother said recently on Slack, I would never wish addiction on anybody, but I would wish recovery on everyone because <laughs> of the man I have become through it. Blessings, Don. Nice. Good, yeah. good thoughts. Good, good question. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of places to start with this uh, I guess we'll end with the transition into the interview which is perfect for this question so Don just so you know you're going to get a long conversation between Nate and another person on this issue um, the the two the first two thoughts come to mind and then you can fix those or take it somewhere else the first has to do with schedule Okay, so later Nate's going to have a great conversation on empathy, which is the core of this. How do I understand how my wife is interpreting that? You're going to get that in spades. But this also just practically has to do with schedule. And something that my wife and I learned was, uh, especially being in ministry, where there were a lot of nights out, uh, we had to schedule together. She had to be okay with she had to be a part of, not just be okay with. She did, couldn't just sign off on what I decided her life would look like. Because mm -hmm. that's what scheduling is, right? I'm making yeah. decisions that's affecting her life. She needed to be a part of the conversation so that whatever the schedule was in the end was based on both of our values. And that's really what Don's talking about. He wants his wife uh, in this scenario to catch up with his values, but he also needs to hear what are her values, what are her needs, 
and that they make that schedule together and that that schedule is kept, especially early in recovery, because there's so much trust that's been broken that they have to know we made this decision together and you are keeping the commitment for how long it takes and when you're back engaged. So just at a practical level, that's that's a conversation that needs to happen. Um, right. That can make some people feel controlled. Like I don't I don't need to check in with someone. I'm just gonna tell them what I'm doing. Okay, that's that's just unhelpful. And then the second thing that comes to mind is that the product of those meetings needs to come back to her. Not just be good for you, but be good for her. I remember one of our pastor pirates early on uh, in that video that I made of our first pastor pirate retreat. Uh, he said, yeah, my, my wife calls this sex group. She says, are you going to sex group? And that wasn't even his deal, by the way. Had nothing to do with what he was going But she still called it sex group. Yeah. And she said, he said, she's really glad I go because the man who comes back to her is a better husband than before I went. So her feeling like she has some control of her own life and then knowing that the product coming back to her just isn't about benefit to the husband, but is a benefit to her and the kids. Those are my first two thoughts when I'm hearing this. Boy, I really like uh, I really like those thoughts too, Aaron. And I think Allie and I have come to some of the same conclusions. Uh, certainly, I went overboard early on. Although I will tell you what, <laughs> in the in the first couple of years of recovery, Allie was so sick of me and was hurting so badly that the more I was gone, actually, the better. Um, so she wasn't complaining about not having me around. Uh, but then, as she began to see progress in recovery, as she began to get some healing of her own, and began to long for, you know, want to rebuild that friendship that we once had. Uh, and then especially after we started Samson and, uh, you know, demands in my time began to grow, it did become, uh, it came to a point where uh, I think Allie even, uh, I know there were times when Allie felt as though she was in competition uh, with Samson. At the same time, she was extremely uh, grateful for Samson and remains to this day. She just, as she often says, she feels like she's got 40 or 50 brothers-in-law. She's not alone <laughs> again. Yeah. Uh, right. So, uh, and she knows that I'm a better man. I'm a healthier man for being in relationship with other men. So you're, 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 you're describing two different things. I think it's important to yeah. separate them. Yeah. One is a wife who is really fed up and so she's just happy, fine. You're trying to do something productive instead of destructive. Yeah. And the other wife that feels like we've already spent all this time wrecking our life. Yeah. Isn't it time for you to come home and start fixing it? Right, exactly. And, and those are two very different mentalities. And, and the question, I'm, I'm picturing a lot of 12-steppers who have never been to a Samson meeting. Mm -hmm. feeling like, oh, yeah, this is the same. This is the same for anybody stepping into recovery. Yeah, yeah. And actually, this is one of the advantages, by the way, of the virtual meeting. The nice thing about a virtual meeting is you can end a virtual meeting from home, mm -hmm. and there's no travel time. So, uh, you know, you, you can be in and out in an hour and not have to leave the house, and that actually is a benefit in the lives or in the minds of some wives. Yeah. Here's the other, so there are a couple things. In terms of schedule, um, I try to schedule as much of my Samson meetings and my Samson interaction as possible in the morning, especially the early morning, when frankly, Allie is barely conscious if she's awake and she, you know, there are no, so I'm not taken away from any of Allie's time by really front loading my day Samson wise. And I also try to keep, except for Monday nights, which is our local meeting, I try to keep evenings sacred for us. That's Allie's prime time. She really wants me dinner and in the evening. There are lots of times when I would love to do some kind of a Samson activity in the evening or attend a, an, an evening meeting, but priority-wise, it's best for us that I keep evenings sacred for her. Let's, let's think about that word for a second. Uh, it's come up in the last decade, I think, mm -hmm. more mainstream than the past, sacred yeah. space. Yeah. 
That's a powerful word. It's been a powerful mm -hmm. word at men's retreats when we try to create a sacred space. Yeah. And you're talking about the importance at home. How would you define sacred space? Um, well, you know, part of it is just recognizing the the spirituality and the holiness really of this bond that I have with another person and not living, you know, unconsciously in a dissociated matter of fact, uh, you know, detached, disconnected way, uh, you know, with a, with a roommate or somebody else who happens to be in the house, uh, but actually to be aware that this is my life mate and we have this time together, which doesn't mean, by the way, that Allie and I need necessarily to be in deep conversation, but the fact that we are together and the fact that I am attentive mm -hmm. to her and to her needs and moods, I think that, uh, you know, that accepts and underlines the sacredness of, of our union. Boy, I'm, I'm hearing you t say, uh, you're saying words that give honor to moments. Mm -hmm. I mean, holiness is just something that's set apart. Yeah. And so you're saying this is set apart, it is sacred, and I have to think that any husband or wife that senses mm -hmm. their spouse is setting apart something as holy, not just condescending to not leaving on Tuesdays. Right, exactly. Creates, yeah, creates a sense of honor. This is yeah. just honoring another person. And it, I don't know about you, but those words, as you said them, made it much more inspirational, not fine, screw it. I can't go out on Tuesday. She needs to have me around. But instead, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm entering into a, a holy, set apart, sacred thing. Yeah. And and in that time we're gonna watch uh the real housewives of Orange County. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and here's what I found. Uh, I can also leverage my Samson meeting sometimes sometimes by uh, sharing, kind of resharing my share. Now, whatever what, what my brothers have said in the meeting is held in strictest confidence. Strictest confidence. Absolutely, I will never divulge what another guy shared in the meeting. Uh, if it's you know, if it's a, of a personal matter, if somebody really gives me an insight that resonates, I might share that with Allie. I might also she she'll just say, you know, how was the meeting today? And it's not unusual for me to say something like, yeah, well, we had another one of those weird topics that turned out to be great. Uh, and then maybe share a bit of what I shared or what I learned. And that that gives her kind of a, uh, a way to uh, you know, I'm, I'm just sharing the riches at that point. Yeah. The, wow. OK. Reiterating, if a wife is feeling jealous, it's probably because you're not letting her experience those riches. Right. And if she feels like, wow, you just came back with some, some deeper insight about you, mm -hmm. your heart, your relationship, that's a, an amazing way. Yeah. At the same time, also be aware that you have permission, if you haven't worked it out yet, and especially some of those weird topics that come up at Samson, yeah. I'm going to be thinking about it the rest of the week. Um, working it out. So if I'm not ready yet, I can say, yeah, it's a weird topic. I, I don't, I'm not even sure where I'm landing on it. It's doing mm -hmm. weird stuff in my heart. So you, you have permission for both, but I think that's bringing your wife in on that. That's, that's a great practical tip for yeah. guys that haven't considered that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into the most important part, which is why is she feeling this? How do I know I'm totally confused and baffled by this creature that I am married to who is a different species than me, uh, <laughs> even though men and women are exactly the same. There's no difference in the <laughs> yeah, genders right. at all. Right, 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 right. And you had a great conversation about this. I certainly did. And uh, by the way, props to uh, Roger Cotton for uh, flagging this empathy master class that's coming up quickly. Uh, piqued my curiosity, and we jumped right on it, and we're able to secure an interview with the guys teaching the class. Uh, I, uh, it's a very fascinating conversation. I can't wait for our listeners to, to hear it. Well, let's let them hear it right now, and uh, we'll take a quick break and get to it on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Mm -hmm. 
podcast you know one of the things that I remember Allie my wife Allie saying to me often or especially in the early years of my recovery uh, she would look at me through eyes that clearly uh, were suffering and say you have no idea how I feel Um, and I knew it was true and I felt terrible about it I did my best understand i guess i could come to some kind of an intellectual grasp for what my wife was going through dealing with all the trauma related to my unfaithfulness to her um all the betrayal stuff that loss of faith and love and all the fear that came along with it but i just couldn't feel it it uh, was quite a few years before i came really to begin to understand that my sex addiction was really not so much about the pursuit of pleasure as it was the avoidance of pain Mm -hmm. that i used my sexual acting out to uh, medicate feelings that i did not know how to handle and as a result i was emotionally handicapped Uh, had a lot to learn a lot to recover a lot of emotional recovery that by the way is still very much in process so for all of that i gotta tell you that's why uh, my attention was piqued immediately when one of our listeners, Roger, sent me an email a couple of days ago alerting me to uh, a master class in empathy uh, created by a guy named uh, Jason Martinkus. Uh, I immediately contacted Jason, asked if he would come on the podcast and talk to us about his story and about the class. He graciously agreed, and he's here. Jason Martinkus, thank you for joining us on the posit- on the uh, Pirate Monk podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs> what a cool thing. A master class on empathy. Where did this idea come from? Yeah, you know, this is um this is one of those things where I feel like 5 or 6 years ago the the number one question I would hear asked in my office is um how, how will she ever trust me again? How, how can I restore trust? Mm-hmm. Fast forward to today, I feel like the number one question I hear from a wife or a husband is, how, how do we do empathy? How does he actually get the depth of my pain? And for husband saying, I, I know I hurt her. I want to feel her pain. I want to hurt for her hurt, but I don't know how. There's like this, this wall, this block, something stops me. And so uh, after you know, the last, really the last couple of years of that being the question over and over again, I finally decided, okay, we got to do something about this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the class was sort of born out of that. Um, I, the other thing that, that really came to bear on doing the class is, you know, developing empathy, cultivating empathy. For some of us, that's a lifelong process. You know, sure. I mean, that's, this is life work. This isn't a, a month long class and boom, you're done. Mm-hmm. But what I also realized is that so many guys don't even have the, the handholds 
Like they don't even know where to start to actually begin to tap into that, that pain that their wives are experiencing. And then when you add the element of shame and we get sucked into the shame spiral, yeah, then everything's out the window. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Well, um, I really want to dig into this uh, subject and this process. Before we do, can we rewind a little bit? I'd like to get personal with you. Uh, yeah. I, I gather that you do uh, counseling therapy in the area of uh, porn and sex addiction? Yeah, so uh, my whole practice is uh, is dealing with men and marriages and sexual integrity, uh, redemption after betrayal. Um, I do everything under a coaching model today, not a therapy model. Okay. And, uh, we have clients uh, here in Denver locally, as well as uh, on, I think, um, I don't remember how many countries now, but we do work, you know, globally at this point. Fantastic. How did you get into the field? How much time you got? <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got some time. We've got some yeah. time. Um, uh, so I started my career in, in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I have this strange story where my history in corporate is that all the companies I've worked for have now gone out of business. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, that includes Arthur Anderson doing consulting. Wow. Blockbuster video. Oh, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so kind of long story short, um, I, but by, by the time that I was in college, by the time I was 18 years old, I was sexually addicted, you know, pornography, masturbation. Um, at that point there was, um, uh, sexual, in, you know, encounters. Mm-hmm. Uh, my girlfriend was pregnant when we were 16 yeah, you know, there it, all the the messy history that led sure. up to being sexually addicted um, through college. Uh, you know, still lived that lifestyle. Ended up uh, meeting a girl, getting engaged, drug all of that into our marriage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, several years into our marriage is when the mocha hit the fan, mm-hmm. and at that point, um, there was multiple instances of infidelity. Uh, physically and emotionally, as well as the pornography and masturbation stuff. Yeah. Goes with. yeah. Um, once everything hit the fan, uh, that that began our our healing journey, and finally started to get honest about my story and what I had been doing in the secret life. Um, very much, very similar to to your story in mm-hmm. ways. Um, and and you know, once that that process started, we met with people that started to give us guidance and coaching. We got plugged into counseling, got plugged back into church and back mm-hmm. into my faith and, uh, and then began that hard work of, of healing and restoration. And uh, a couple of years into that, I got a, a call from a, a, a guy that I barely knew. And he said, God, put it on my heart. You need to come work at this ministry. So I came to work at a ministry called every man's battle. And, uh, and then went back to school to get a, a master's degree to help people. Uh, fast forward. Uh, today, by the grace of God, we are 16 years later. Wow. Uh, no pornography, masturbation, physical, emotional affairs for the last 16 years. Thank the Lord. Yeah. Uh, marital restoration that is a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, yeah, today I have the privilege of doing this. My full-time practice is, uh, is dealing with sexual integrity issues. All my work today is focused on couples. Uh-huh. Everything I do is in the context of couples and marital restoration. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Wow. All right. So <clears throat> you routinely encounter couples uh, where uh, a crisis of one type or another has pulled the covers back from the secret life. Uh, the secret's out, or at least part of the secret's out. We've told the truth or started to tell the truth. Yes, we hope. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, there has been some discovery or at least some disclosure. Yep. Uh, if the guy is uh, committed to recovery, he's starting to feel some relief and some hope that he hasn't felt perhaps ever in his life, certainly in a long time. Um, but, uh, I imagine that in many cases, what has felt like the best day of his life has turned out to be the worst day of hers. For sure. Yeah. 
And yeah, you know that person. I know that personally. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So he is deeply committed to uh, the relationship, to the marriage, and wants to do it right, and wants to make amends and wants to heal things. Uh, but she is really struggling emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is not quite sure how to connect. He feels, uh, yeah. So there's all kinds of, so yeah. Tell us, a, uh, paint for us. I'm sure you're much more aware of it than I am. Kind of, kind of this typical scenario. What kind of challenges do you see facing the couples that come to see you? Yeah. Uh, you know, as you describe that, as you paint that picture, I find in, in my office, there's kind of a, a dichotomy of, uh, or, or bifurcation of the guys that, that sit down in here. Uh-huh. Half of them are in the boat you just, you, you just described. Okay. And I would say the other half are in this place of, okay, I've, I've told the truth. The truth is out. I'm ready to change. I want to go hundred miles an hour into the future. I don't want to look in the rear view mirror. Uh-huh. So, so, you know, she doesn't need to be so angry. She doesn't need to be so mm. hurt. I'm going to yeah. be different now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why can't she uh, uh, get over it and accept it? And Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then we get into that business of tit for tat and reciprocity. Well, she, you know, she can't say those things to me and she can't be that hurt. And of course, I'm going to be defensive if she reminds me of how, how much of a monster I've been. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we start to bump up against a lot of that stuff. Yeah. 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 And, and what do you think is, is driving his defensiveness? Uh, man, that's a, that's a big question. I mean, the first thing is obviously shame. Mm-hmm. First thing is, I already feel terrible. I already feel like a monster. So when you remind me what I've done, yeah, right, mm-hmm. it just doubles down on that. Sure. 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 Um, and this is so hard for wives too, because we talk about this in the office, and, and I know you've experienced this too. Our, our wives end up reflecting back to us, or in some sense confirming how we already feel about ourselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, if she's angry and hurt, and and reminding us of how we've hurt her, it taps into that place where I I know that I've done so much wrong. I know that this is I've been off the rails. Yeah, yeah. So why do you have to tell me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just taps into that how I already feel about myself. Yeah, yeah. What I find in in our story, this is for Shelly and I, because Shelly and I, listen, I, I just gave you like the, the two-minute version of our story. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, we're on the slow track at my house. I yeah. mean, <laughs> the truth is we're on the slow track. Like it's been a long, hard, you know, beautiful, but mm-hmm. hard journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At our house, that so many times, whenever that stuff gets tapped into for me, like I, I know that she's hurting, and I want to meet her in her pain, but I'm so overwhelmed with my own. Mm-hmm. I, I just stumble and I fumble. Sometimes I say the right words, I'm the, the words that I know to say. Sometimes I'm in my own head going, "Jason, you teach this stuff. Just say the right thing." Yeah, right. Yeah, right, 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 right. But it's like, man, I get so tangled up in that shame that then I become defensive and I just want the pain to stop. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's the number one driver is the shame. Yeah. 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 Um, the second thing I would add, though, is I think for a lot of guys, this was true for me in, in, in my story. I think for a lot of guys, we just haven't been confronted with the reality of the damage that we've caused. Mm-hmm. You know, when we live in lies and secrets, we're doing damage control. Sure. Right. We're we're keeping all the pain and consequence at bay. And so once once everything comes to light and the the you know the scab is open and the wound is open, it's like now I have to see the reality of the pain. Now, as you described a second ago, I see the the suffering in her eyes and it's overwhelming. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then for a lot of guys, that turns into defensiveness. Sure. It's like we get angry because we don't know how to deal with those those hard, deep emotions. Sure, sure, sure. Or I try to pacify, uh, if I could, by way of minimizing or amending, let's just get over this as quickly as possible. Let's get past it. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or, or placating as yeah. well. You're 
you're right. I'm, I'm a monster. I'm sorry I did this. You know what? You're better off without me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go into that stuff too. And any of those scenarios, defensive, angry, placating, pacifying, mm-hmm. you know, any of those things leaves a wife sitting there with what feels like insults on injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what does she really need? Oof. Uh, you know, that's, that's a, uh, that's a nuanced thing mm-hmm. for each wife. Yeah. Based okay. on her story. Yeah. And, um, and that's one of the, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to use your question. I'm going to kind of pivot a little bit there. That that's one of the main things that I've seen over the last several years in terms of doing this work with empathy. And that's one of the like centerpieces of, of the class. What, what a lot of times we don't realize and, and we just lose sight of is that our wives are sitting here today living the sum total of their story, mm-hmm. right? So, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a birth story in front of you. Yeah. There, there's a little girl who had this, that, and the other happen to her sitting in front of you. Right. You know, there's, a, there's an adolescent who had tragedy and trauma sitting. There's a, there's a, a date-raped teenager Right. Sitting in, you know, all of it, like her story is sitting in front of you. And if you don't, if you, if you don't have a touch point that, if you're not connected to the pain of her story, then you can't meet her where she is and give her what she needs. Right. Right. And that, that's a huge missing piece for a lot of guys. It's like, they just see the angry, hurting wife in front of them. Yeah. 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 Instead of seeing that there's there's all of this woman's life, whether she's 23 or 73, mm-hmm. you know, all of this woman's life is right there on the surface. All of that pain is right there yeah. for her. Yeah. So when you ask the question, what does a wife really need? You know, generally speaking, 30,000 feet, we could say she needs us to move into not what would we feel if we were in her shoes. But to move into what does she feel in her shoes, given the sum total of her whole story? Right, right. Yeah, right. yeah. You've seen in, in your journey, I'm sure, uh, uh, and, and I've seen this for sure with Shelley, so many facets of my betrayal tap into the heart of that little girl and that adolescent and that teenager. Right. Right. Yeah. We our, our wounding taps into their core wounds. Yeah. Right. And so as a part of that healing, what what we sometimes don't realize is we as a husband, even though we've done this this painful betrayal, we actually have the opportunity to be a conduit of her healing in totality. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a chance not just to heal the pain that we've caused, but to heal the pain that her uncle who abused her caused. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like there's a there's a beautiful opportunity in front of us as we lean into empathy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would imagine that the the danger, uh, we've certainly had these conversations in our home because my wife brought her own story of sexual trauma into uh, our relationship and then I just piled on with my betrayal. Um, I suppose there is a danger that my empathizing with, you know, uh, Allie's high school rape, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the pain caused by it can be perceived as blame shifting, that it's not really me. It's what you're feeling is what happened back there. So I'm out. That's that. But that's never the case. Right. Oh, my gosh. I'm glad you're saying that, because, yeah, if if the place we move into is what you're experiencing right now is about your past, not about me. Yeah. Right. Going to go south quick. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's going to be nuclear. Right. As opposed to actually being able to acknowledge that there's that pain and connect the dots with how what I have done. Yes. Amplified that. Yes. It, it rehearsed that. It drug her back through that. Right. 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 Yes. I am him all over again. Yes. There it is. It's That's hard. I mean, I just, I'm, I'll just tell anybody who takes the master class, we're going to talk about that stuff. I don't expect after four weeks for you to be ninja at doing that well. You know what I mean? (laughs) But to be able to get started on that is really important. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, one of the great benefits to me of recovery was, especially in early recovery, when for us, 
physical intimacy was off the table. We were just not going to be having sex. That wasn't going to happen. Uh, I slept in a closet for a couple of years. Well, I learned that sex is a wonderful gift and not a fundamental need. And I could, <laughs> and I began to learn and explore uh, non-sexual intimacy. Uh, one of the great benefits was being able to come home, sit on the porch with my wife. Uh, we could start to have a conversation and we could talk about, uh, begin to connect emotionally in a way that I wasn't swinging for the fences and it wasn't going to end up in the bedroom. So she didn't have to be defensive. Right. Uh, right. Uh, and we could start to connect a little bit heart to heart and talk about deep feelings. Is that, uh, and, and it was, and, and I, frankly, it was discouraging during those when I would start to make this connection, like, holy crap, I, I'm really seeing Allie as a, as a wounded person, uh, at, you know, as a friend, I'm connecting with that child in an empathetic way. This is wonderful. And then she would look at me and say, you have no idea. Mm -hmm. How, how how much I hurt. Oh, it was it was at sometimes just discouraging. I thought I'm never going to be able to speak this language. I'm never going to be able to connect in a way that uh, brings true relief to her pain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Go ahead. So today, how many years later are we from that? Oh, twenty-one years later. Okay, so twenty-one years. Later, yeah. Um, do you feel like you can connect to it today? Yeah, much, 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 much better. Yeah, certainly, absolutely. Um, and but, and the, the X factor on that has been what? But time. if you if you can <laughs> time, yeah, time but, and growth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Growth, growth in the. I mean, this is one of those things where people, you know, guys who are at month six or yeah. at year two. You know, guys who are year two even kind of go like, man, you got to be kidding me. How long are we? Am I, how hard is this going to be for how long? You know, that yeah, 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 yeah. Right? But 21 years later, yeah, you know, you're not complete. You know that the, the journey isn't done. Right. But you can look back and go, man, you have come so absolutely far. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's it's not just that time. It's that growth. It's that what has unfolded has changed you as a person right. and, and changed the fabric of y'all's relationship in a way where what, what it took to get to those places on the front porch in year two, mm -hmm. it doesn't take the same kind of effort and energy. It's not the same today. Exactly. And, and Allie will tell anybody that, uh, you know, where we are is worth what we came through. Mm. Okay. So yeah. Uh, you know, I think, you know, we have we have jettisoned our, you know, idealistic, Disney-esque, uh, you know, magical uh, you know, ideas of what, you know, our marriage was going to be and our relationship was going to be. And we now are, you know, truly connected as yeah. as human beings. Yeah. But there's still pain. And and you know what I love about this is I'm feeling a lot of empathy from my wife these days for my pain. She is able to see in a way that she couldn't see when she was so blinded by her own pain early on. Yes. How much my behavior was pain driven. I have empathy for her and she has empathy for me, which, by the way, I think is what I was most desperately seeking all along. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Right. So that what you just said. So that's another that's another thing that I key on when it comes to these conversations about empathy. In so many ways, what we're doing is we're actually modeling for our wives what we so deeply long for. Yes. Right. right. And and what you just said is, and, and I don't know if Ali would say it this way or not. Shelley would say it this way. Like I watched, Shelly would say, I watched Jason lean into my pain in so many ways, so many times over so many years that it just made me want to lean into his. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that empathy cultivated for her, 
Right. We actually, to your point, we actually, uh, this is a couple months ago, we were talking about something, I don't even remember what it was now, something sexualized. And I, I looked at her and I was like, you know, having to deal with that is just ridiculous. Like that this is the way the culture, this is how we are, where we are. Like, it's just ridiculous. And she just put her hand on my arm and she went, you know, I'm sorry you have to deal with that situation, that struggle. <laughs> and it was, there was just like this wave of tenderness yeah. that came. I mean, 15 years ago, that could have been nuclear. Sure. Yeah, right. You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But today she has empathy. Like you're saying, she has empathy for what goes on and the reality of that hurt little boy inside. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's a beautiful thing, but we also have something to do with that outcome by modeling it along the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I, uh, in recovery, wasn't dependent entirely on my wife. She wasn't, she wasn't there in early recovery t- for me, right? So I found brothers in recovery who were able to empathize with me which, by the way, was one of the big surprises for me in early recovery. Uh, I expected to get uh, consequences, hard-edged accountability. You know, I was looking more for a probation officer and a coach than for a friend who could empathize with my pain. Yeah. Uh, But to have uh, the gift of empathy from brothers who knew the struggle, who were in the battle with me, uh, would never, ever minimize the behavior would never accept the behavior, but always accept me. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I learned a lot about empathy in, uh, in fellowship with other people in recovery. Yeah. yeah. And uh, back to your point about the, the deeper levels of intimacy. Yeah. You know, for a lot of us, um, I, I, this is true of my story. I didn't know how to experience deep connected intimacy that didn't require my penis. Right, sure, yeah. You know, everything was connected somehow sexually. Right. And so learning to actually do deep connected intimacy with other men, that that led to and sort of created an effect that affected the way I did intimacy with Shelly. Right, absolutely. And then the way I did that with Shelly affected the way I did that with men. Yeah. Right, and then in our story, if you add in the God piece, Learning to do deeper connected intimacy with God yeah. informed the way I did it with men, informed the way I did it with Shelly. Nice. Right? So it's all interconnected. With guys, very similar for me, there were three guys, James, Kurt, and Kurt, that met me in the beginning of my, my story, mm-hmm. met me where I was in the beginning of my story. Right. And some of, for empathy for me, some of that was cultivated by seeing the pain on their face for me. Yes. Right. right. And actually experiencing them hurting for me helped me learn how to hurt for her. Right. Exactly. As you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. I think to your to your point, I think for so many guys, the 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 accountability structure is one where I I come and I check in and I, I say whether or not I did some bad behavior this week. Yeah. And I, I check in on whether I did my Bible reading and that kind of thing. And, and as you've talked about so much around, uh, around your groups, that, that layer of relational connection of what's actually going on in your mind and your heart and your yeah. body is absent. Yeah. Right. And so if I'm not actually having that mirrored to me, right. then it's hard for me to go and mirror that with her. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I have to have that component of other people in my life, especially when, and, and again, this, this applies for some people, not everyone, especially when our story, zero to however old we are today, zero mm-hmm. to pick your age. Yeah. A lot of that story lacked anyone doing that for us. And there it is. There it is. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I have had to you know, confront lovingly and not resentfully, but realistically in my own story is the fact that while I had, you know, parents who loved and cared for me and did their very best working out of their own woundedness and story, uh, you know, my, my childhood was really much more about uh, behaving correctly and uh, learning 
uh, quickly and performing well. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't really feel heard, understood, felt. Yeah, feeling felt, I think, is that phrase that Kurt Thompson uses to such great effect. Our deep need is to feel felt, right? Yeah. That, that's like, that hits the nail on the head. Yeah. And that's what our wives need. They need to feel felt. And that's what we need as well. Right. Uh, and that, to your point, one of the things that we talk about, I, I, this is every week in my office, I'm having this conversation. Both of those things are true. Mm -hmm. I need to, fee, to feel felt. She needs to feel felt. Right. In the, in the context of marital redemption, the issue isn't who needs to feel felt. The issue is who's going to get to feel felt first. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and that sequence, when we get that sequence out of order, when I demand to feel felt first. Yeah. That's when things go south and sideways. Yeah. Yeah. That sequencing is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I would love for any guys whose uh, interest has been uh, piqued by this conversation uh, would like to be able to, how are they going to find the class? Uh, now we are recording this interview, by the way, it's going to go into cyberspace and it'll be there forever till Jesus comes back. But we're recording it on the 2nd of January in the year 2020. And I think we're only six days off from the launch of the first iteration of the class. That's right. Uh, hopefully not the last iteration, but right. uh, uh, if guys want to get in on that very first inaugural trip down the Empathy Highway, what's the best way for them to connect? Yeah, they can do a couple of things. Uh, go to the website, redemptiveliving.com. Uh, you can go forward slash empathy. Okay. All right, that'll get there. Um, I don't, that link may be broken at the moment. Now I say that. I <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> nothing like doing things at the last minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so redemptiveliving.com is the e easiest way to find the information. You can okay. contact me through the website. You can email me, jason at redemptiveliving.com. Okay. Uh, that's the easiest way to go about registering. Okay. Well, I can't wait to see how this goes. And I, and I can't thank you enough. I'm so grateful that uh, I've never heard of a masterclass on empathy before. Uh, I'm thrilled that you're doing it. Thank uh, you. Uh, can't wait to hear how it turns out. So Jason Martinkus, thank you again for joining us here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Stick with us, listeners. We'll be right back. letter from some old hotel I can feel the distance between us from Spanish steps to the Liberty Bell I know We are back on the Pirate Monk podcast. Well, there you go. Empathy. Uh, oh, okay. This wasn't mentioned in the interview, so let me ask you. I talk to people who say, well, I am an empath. Mm -hmm. um, your daughter is a very empathetic person and she most certainly is. has used that word. So you've got yeah. people that seem to have some intrinsic ability, but this whole conversation is saying, oh, okay, though that might be true for some people, that it's more natural everybody can learn this as a skill. So what's the difference between those people that it's natural for and those people that have to learn? 
Well, I mean, I do think that there are skills, certainly, in active listening uh, that all of us can learn. Like not we'll interrupting people. That's a, that's a wonderful... <laughs> yeah, and uh, some of us are going to learn them more naturally, more quickly than others, but uh, all of us can benefit from coaching in active listening. And I also think, frankly, that uh, you know, addiction, our heart, uh, pays a very high price in active addiction. Uh, we have to shut down uh, regions of our heart in order to persist in this self-destructive behavior and to minimize its effects. And you know, we have to from dial down our sensitivity to the damage that we're doing to ourselves and others. And uh, so all of us, I, I think, who have uh, been trapped for a period in active addiction are now coming into recovery um, we've, we're, we're, we're recovering from, from a, a deficit when it comes to emotional connection. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, even, you know, I, I'm a naturally sensitive person, but I will tell you what I, during periods, you know, the worst part of my acting out, I was capable of being a real asshole in ways that I don't think I'm capable of being now, as, as you know, my heart has become more tender and I've become at least more aware of and more sensitive to uh, the effects of my words and my silences on those around me, especially my wife. Yeah. Yeah. And can, can we say this is a very individualized journey mm -hmm. that empathy, you feeling like, uh, okay, let me rephrase. This can be hard for a spouse, a husband or a wife that feels like, no, I, I do feel these things, and yet you are not receiving it as me feeling it. There's a transport system that is unique to, wow, you need to hear it in this way. Or back to our letter, you need time to prove that you see that I need this. Mm -hmm. It almost goes back to some core love language type issues. Sure, yeah. How, how are you going to receive this? It's not always the same. So sometimes if a husband's hearing this saying, I'm, I'm confused because I am feeling this, but it's not being received, there's a translation problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that's, that's why you got to be on this journey right to individualize this i agree yes so fortunately there's a whole master's class to go deeper on this <laughs> yeah and uh enrollment is closing soon we're going to post this as quickly as we can but uh, i think the class kicks off at least the first iteration of the class kicks off on the 8th of january uh 2020 so if you are fortunate enough to have caught this episode before the enrollment period and you sense that this might be an important thing for you to do as a next step, uh, don't waste any time. Uh, I think it's really cool, by the way, these types of masterclass situations or just education online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This really isn't about, oh, good, there's this group trying to make some money off something. Or yeah, yeah. This is like, wow, this is a topic that I'm seeing is a problem, and I don't know why it's a problem. Right. Everybody can move towards some expertise in yeah. this. Yeah. And it, it's, it revolutionizes your life. Your day-to-day yeah. -day will actually change if you become an expert in your own life. Mm. Mm. Well put. All right. Well, it's been a profitable time, man. I'm glad we were, even if we had to do it by Zoom, I'm glad we were able to get together and uh, stitch together an episode for our brothers. And send us more questions and thoughts. I mean, I loved, yeah. I loved what Don sent. That was such an important question. Yep, yep. And you can reach us, as always, at piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, and by, and, and by the way, if you want to fix our answers to other people's questions, uh, I mean, I always feel uncomfortable. Don said something about, can you give some wisdom to this? Uh, I mean, for <laughs> me, I'm like, yeah, probably not. But yeah, I can give an opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, what were you going to say? Yeah. Oh, I just wanted to remind folks that they can also leave a comment or a question on our Facebook page, which I think you curate, don't you, Aaron? You keep track uh, of that thing? All I do is uh, upload the the new episode okay. each week. So, But, yeah, I mean, if you, if you put something, I'll see it. 
Okay. So uh, you you can join the other fifteen people that enjoy <laughs> uh, downloading episodes from Facebook. All right. Young Master Perry, always among the first to respond. All right. Well, until next time, then hopefully next week, you and I. If we do this again next week, it'll have to once again be by Zoom. But until next time, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. And we're your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Thank you.